Hello everyone and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons, our wee podcast about tackling and coping with some of life's challenges, hosted by me, Jenny McIntyre, and founder of Let's, Michael Byrne. Hi everyone, it's Michael Byrne here and I'm joined today with Jenny. Um, This is our ninth podcast, Um, so we're amazed at this and we're amazed at the feedback. So, Thanks everyone, before we begin, thanks everyone for listening. Um, so Jenny, how are you? I'm good, Michael. Um, yeah, nine episodes, which makes you think that means we've technically been in lockdown for 10 weeks, would that be right? It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as much as sometimes the time just totally drags, um, it's also flown in as well. Absolutely, it's, it's kind of almost difficult to remember life prior to lockdown now, isn't it? I know, I know. Um, but and that's what I know. We've mentioned it before. It's funny how quickly you can kind of adapt and build a new routine and kind of, um, I just focus on what you have and and what you can be doing in that moment. Definitely, and I, and I look back at some of the fantastic guests that we've had uh, over the past nine weeks. We've been really fortunate to have some amazing guests and some of the amazing stories and tips that they've shared with us as well. I know, I know. Um, So we're at a point now um, where Boris Johnson made his announcement on Sunday and Scotland have kind of gone their separate way. Um, How did you kind of take all the news and how how has that kind of affected you the past few days? I think for me it's it's just confusing um, and confusion's never good uh, for people because we have these announcements <clears throat> every night from uh, the Prime Minister at five o'clock or he did his national thing uh, as you said the other evening and during the day at one o'clock or half one or two or whenever Nicola Sturgeon's announcements are and you know, I heard I heard Nicola Sturgeon last week saying there'll be no changes, and then you hear Boris Johnson say, "Back to work." And mm-hmm. as much as you know that that doesn't really apply to Scotland, you know that it applies to fifty million people or however down in England. And you think, I don't know what 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 am I meant to do? What 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 rules apply to me now? And mm-hmm. why are they different? And and I think that just brings with it the uncertainty of. What, are we in a worse position than England now? What, what, you know, is, is this pandemic worse here? Or are we just taking a different path? Or, or are we more susceptible up here? And it's just confusing. Uh, and I think with that, it just brings a bit of worry, you know? I know. I know, I know I'd mentioned to you earlier before we started recording that when Boris did kind of do his speech at seven o'clock on Sunday night and he's saying to people, right, back to work tomorrow, Um and I know that wasn't kind of referred to myself. I just get an overwhelming sense of panic. Like, I'm not ready. I'm, I, I, feel, I felt ill-prepared to just have been, have been not working for eight weeks. And then, right, you can just go back tomorrow. So for me, it did give me a bit of a fright. And I thought, right, I need to get make sure that if, if this announcement does come for us, like I'm... I'm all, fi- all cylinders firing type thing, um, but you're right. It does confuse. It does kind of um, invoke like confusion and uncertainty, and and they're all not nice feelings to have to kind of cope with or deal with. Yeah. I um, think for me, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not 
want to be political in any way. And I think, and I'm, and I'm very wary of misinformation uh, and where I get my information from. Um, but I think it's pretty much widely publicised now that 40% of all deaths uh, for COVID-19 are in um, care homes. Right. And it might be slightly more in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to me that we're all on lockdown then to um, protect care homes without the and, and the care homes themselves are saying that they're inadequate through the you know resource through PPE and so on. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just a wee bit confused about how are we actually helping people in in care homes? Um, you know, if they don't have PPE, and I and I have a relative who's in a care home, and for the past eight weeks we've not been allowed to visit them. So if they're all in lockdown, how's the pandemic spreading so much through? Through care homes, you know, if if it's pretty much on lockdown, we we can't go and visit a relative. Um, we can get the odd um, telephone conversation and Skype call and so on. But um, I just I find it really surprising. And I think I read something that said that there's a government initiative again, no matter it's UK or, or Scottish government, that's pretty much forcing people into care homes as residents, and then they're being tested for COVID once they're actually in the care home. Mm-hmm. Not prior to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, it's just confusing. I know I'm talking about care homes, but it's just that level of uncertainty of why we are going at a different pace um, from uh, England. Uh, and I'm I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not you know I'm not political about the whole thing. It's just this confusion, and it's a wee bit discerning because they talk about this R transmission, but it seems like nobody can tell us in Scotland. You know, we're kind of saying it's between 0.5 and 0.9, but England are saying the same, but yet rules have been relaxed down there and again I'm not saying that's right or wrong uh, I've seen some news this morning that you know all the tubes and the buses are packed and uh, and so on and that's I think that's I see that with a bit of trepidation more than anything mm-hmm. else. I was actually um, listening to a podcast this morning and it was um, I forget the guy's name a scientist anyway he was saying that research has kind of been done in the background to suggest that I, I think the rate of infection was like the or the, the R number, they, they reckon was like between 2.7 and 3. Um, but actually on further kind of analysis and testing, they're reckoning it could be as high as 5.7. Um, but again, it, it's all that uncertainty and misinformation and and why why is one thing working for one country and it's not working for another? And sometimes I just think, Jenny, this is all probably just so much bigger than you just deal mm-hmm. with what you've got just now um rather than even try well i mean i don't want to sound ignorant and be like rather than trying to understand but th- there's obviously like information missing in places that you'll you'll never be able to understand it yeah absolutely and and it, uncertainty is a, is a horrible driver in people you know certainly if we're all uncertain about you know, in our personal lives about our future, our health, you know, and, and finances or whatever, then it leads you to worry and it leads you on to stress and it leads you on to a difficult path with your mental health when you start to think about, oh my God, how am I going to cope when this happens, when that happens and, and so on. And the reality is, is that none of us really know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen yeah. in five minutes time or 10 minutes time, never mind tomorrow, the end of May, beginning of June, whenever um, lockdown may be lifted. And, and I think it, the, one of the things I always talk about, and I know you know this is, you know, don't worry about the things that you can't control. What Absolutely. we have to deal with just now are the facts. And the facts are we're still in lockdown. The country's put in place measures to deal with it as best they, they understand with the science and so on. 
and we're in the situation that we're in. And for me, I think one of the best things that I can do is actually not watch um, the Boris Johnston or whatever uh, minister is, is carted out at five o'clock every day. Now. It's just not to watch that because when you actually watch it, it's pretty much irrelevant to what's going on in Scotland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the kind of um, don't be worrying, and I know it's difficult to just say it, but um, and uh, then actually like do it, but be worrying about things that you can't control. And I think it's that level of acceptance. And I go back to kind of, eight, nine weeks ago or whenever it was that the the, now, the lockdown was very first announced and the the panic and the, the kind of sadness and the worry and the fear that kind of I was overwhelmed with as Boris Johnson announced the lockdown about everything from your family, your friends to is my business going to make it through this? Yeah. As soon as I accepted that, that this was the situation and you just have to deal with it and find a way to deal with it and find a way to come out the other end and accept that you can't control it and it's out with your control. I felt, I would say, 80, 90 times better than I did when I, when I was choosing not to accept what the situation was. Absolutely. Isn't there a, a going back to my sayings, isn't there a saying that says, you know, when you have a problem, the problem tends not to be the problem. It's how you view it that's the problem. Yeah. So if you have, you know, like this lockdown, and, and I remember we said this in the early days, was if you view it as in, here's all the things I can't do now, yeah, uh, then you've, you're going to have difficulties because it's so I feel restricted, I feel a risk. But actually, if you looked at it and from the perspective of, okay, that's the situation, but I can do all of these things. I could still go out at that point once a day. Actually, now I can, you know, I know for me, I certainly used it to do a lot of different things, you know, learn how to cook a few other dishes, take more time to deal with some other things and spend more time with my son and have that more balance in my life. And those were things that I seen as a benefit to the situation. Mm-hmm. And like yourself, just put in a mindset of, okay, I'm not too concerned about all the things I can do, but let's look for the opportunities and the things that I can do. And I, and I still see it like that at this moment in time with the, obviously the uncertainty and the confusion that's been um, put on to just now by, the, you know, by England and, and the UK parliament and, even saying that just sounds like a contradiction. England and the UK Parliament, but um, you know what I mean. You know that that's totally. But actually, nothing's changed for us. And I think when if we just keep on the same track of what nothing's changed, and when the time comes, we will have a bit more certainty. But in this moment in time, I know exactly what my situation is. Yeah, and I think as well, it's important to avoid avoidance, almost if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not just ignoring what's going on. It, it is that level of acceptance, and don't just kind of yeah I, I, I avoid what's going on. We have to we have to understand what it is. We have to deal with it, and we have to kind of face it head on, regardless of the situation you're in, whether it is trying to keep your business afloat or whether you are trying to pass the hours in furlough or, or whatever. Um, it, it's there. It's real. You can't just bury it under the sand absolutely and 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 i know that one of my favorite um scenes is obviously and it's a shameless plug here but it's a title in my book that's due out soon and it is called don't believe your brain mm-hmm. you know if you're sitting at home and you're getting all these negative thoughts about oh my goodness this is going to happen to me and my business is going to be in ruin or i'm not going to have a job to go back to and you're having all these thoughts but the reality is you don't know that. You don't mm-hmm. know the outcome of what's going to happen just now. And we've got this period of time that we can actually plan for uh, and plan going forward. 
Um, but your brain will still generally go to the first port, first protocol, which will be negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And once you start getting the negative thoughts, um, it, they can be hard to control because you, if you have one negative thought and then start to realise that you think this is a true negative thought, you will have another and another and another. And I think I've said before, it's like when your pal buys when your pal buys a blue car. For the next week or so, all you ever see is blue cars on your street or on your mm-hmm. road. Um, and it's the same. Once you start believing negative thoughts, you'll have another and you'll have another and you'll have another. And negative thoughts are the most poisonous thoughts that you can have because they're not true. Mm-hmm. But you you believe they're true because you think, oh, I hear that voice. That must be true. Uh, you know, this thing's telling me I'm going to be a failure at this or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That must be true because it's telling me. And one of the tips I always say to people is, see when your mind's telling you all this, these negative things and it's telling you oh, this will be a failure and, and these things won't work out and you're going to... If you actually seen that voice as a person and one of your friends or one of your mates or whatever and they continue to talk negative to you, you would be having a conversation with them saying, like, I love you a bit, you're my mate or family member or whatever, but stop being so negative with me. Mm-hmm. I've really positivity in my life and I don't want to hear all these negative things that you keep thinking of mm-hmm. I want to hear positivity but because we hear them in our head we don't have that conversation but actually as absurd as it sounds you can have that conversation and once you do you get really empowered to say that's just a negative thought it's not true and I don't have to do anything about it exactly and Mike just when you were talking about the negative thoughts there was it you remind me was it yourself who was talking about how many negative thoughts we actually have in a day? I mean, it's a ridiculous well, number. Uh, you, what yeah, what the average they reckon is that you will have sixty thousand thoughts a day. That was it, yeah. So um, I don't think anyone's ever counted because we're all different about how many of them are negative. But when you're struggling in a situation or you have a problem, the predominant force behind that will be the majority of negative thoughts. Yeah. Um, but the, the reality problem is that you may have as many positive as negative thoughts but actually when you're struggling with something you tend to only hear the negative side of it and mm-hmm. not hear the voice in your mind that says actually things will be okay mm-hmm. don't worry about it it'll be okay that's generally pushed aside because the more negative one fills you more with a reaction you'll have a reaction a, a more negative reaction to a negative thought because with that negative thought comes fear despair uncertainty a reaction almost that makes you think, oh, that's, that thought's true, I better do something about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you tend to have a positive thought that says everything's going to be okay, those are the thoughts that make you go, it will be okay. Actually, I don't really need to do it just now because I believe that everything will be okay. But we're filled sometimes with the need to be proactive or deal with the negative thoughts, so you better do something about it then and it's keeping you busy. Um, but the reality is is that it's it's just a thought. Yeah, I think I've, I've said this maybe once before on the on our show that when you know even if we've all done this where you've maybe planned a party for a family member or planned a holiday to the nth degree you've booked the taxi to take you to the airport you you know you've booked the flight to take you to your resort you've booked a transfer for the resort to the hotel you've booked the hotel great and in your mind everything's going to go great because it's all booked you've you've, you've had total control over everything and it's going to be great but what you don't know is is Taxi might not turn up in time. Mm-hmm. The flight might be late. The transfer might be cancelled. The hotel could be horrible. But in your mind, you believe that everything will be fine. But you don't know that. So what I always say is that even when you plan things to the nth degree, things can still go wrong. So when you have all these negative thoughts, that's telling you things will go wrong. They don't know the outcome either. Mm-hmm. So the reality is, is that none of us know, as I said, none of us know what life will be like in five minutes' time. We can 
look around and think, I know what I'm going to do in five minutes' time. But you don't know. The doorbell could ring. Your mobile could go off. Something could go off. And your best laid plans actually don't come to fruition. So why would you give all the power to negative thoughts? Because even if you do things to the nth degree and you're comfortable that everything will work out the way it will be, uh, and it sometimes doesn't, negative thoughts are exactly the same. They mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. the other thing I'd kind of done was, <clears throat> when it all kind of I, I accepted that this is what it was and, and everything's uncertain and we don't know what the world's going to be like on the other end, this, that and the other, I sat down and I thought, because obviously it's natural for all these negative thoughts to be going through your head, but it's kind of picking one and going, right, okay, so let's prepare for all the different possibilities or let's plan and what what are these different possibilities? So let's take the worst case scenario and kind of, and and the plan, the word plan has to be very use, like loosely used, but right, okay, what what is the worst that could happen and, and what could we do if that did happen and what's the best that can possibly happen and what's the plan if that does happen and, and kind of every situation in between um, and for me that kind of almost settles my uncertainty in that I feel half prepared for if the worst possible thing was to happen I've kind of identified it and, and, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a plan in place for if it did happen yeah. Absolutely, and what's actually going on there, and that's a bit of advice I always give to my clients. I get clients who say to me, you know, can I sleep at night? My thoughts are racing at a thousand miles an hour, and I'm worrying about everything. And I kind of say to them, okay, so what to do is write down the top six things that you're worrying about during the night that are keeping you awake, Mm -hmm. and write them down, and then, you know, on one side of the sheet, and then what you tend to have is I'm worrying about A, okay? What is your action plan on dealing with A? If you have to do something about it, what's your action plan? It doesn't have to be right now, but you have a plan, just as you've Mm -hmm. said there. So maybe that, you know, whatever it may be that you think within the next six months, here's what I'm going to do about that. And then the next thing and all six of them. And I guarantee that next time you have a thought about A, for instance, the immediate thought you have after that is, I've got a plan for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. B, I've got a plan for that. I've got a plan for it. Now, what, what that then does is stop the stress and the worry. Because you've got a plan, your your thought after worrying about it, immediate thought after it is, oh, but I know what I'm doing with that. Mm-hmm. I know where that is. And that dispels the whole stress and the worry. And generally, I, I think there's something very cathartic about writing it down as well, because you can see it and you can visualise it when you've written it down. And you think, oh, I know it's what almost I'm doing. more real if it's written yeah. down. Yeah. And that's always advice that's, you know, it's worked for me in the past, but certainly it's worked for a lot of clients where for me, they've been coming to me I'm sleeping I kind of sleep at night I'm worrying about all of these things I get all these negative thoughts and it's like you know well negative thoughts are just thoughts they're they don't they're not through but actually let's what let's write down the things that you're worrying about or mm-hmm. confused about and then you write them down and you say okay well, what what's your action plan just as you said so for you for instance I'm worrying about my business isn't going to be here in six months time okay so what do you do what can you plan for in the interim period and it may well be you know start looking at different ways of income streams or, or different things and, and, you know, pivoting on different parts of your business, whatever. So you then have a plan. So the next time you have the negative thought about, my goodness, my job might not be here, my business might not be here in six months, you will immediately think, I but I'm doing this and I'm doing that and mm-hmm. I'm preparing for it just mm-hmm. as you are. And I think as well, it, then at that point gives you that level of control back that, again, as humans, we kind of crave and, and need almost. Um, so it's like, 
I'm trying to think what the word is. It's escaped it's, me. But uh, yeah, yeah, as I say, it's giving you that level of control back that, that helps you to, to be positive in the situation that you're in. Yeah, it's because the I think the majority of us don't like uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We like to know the path that we're on. We like to know that uh, the path that we're on will lead to a destination. But I kind of think I said this a couple of weeks ago that sometimes the most beautiful destinations are found when you're taken off the path that you're mm-hmm. originally on. Um, but I think as human beings, we like certainty. We like destinations. We like this is the outcome. If I do A, it will end up in B. And we don't like, oh, well, if I do A, where's it going to be and all of that sort of stuff. But actually, there are loads of people out there that go, do you know what? I'll try A and see where I end up. Mm-hmm. And that's that's quite liberating as well. It's not the fear of what will happen. It's the excitement of let's try this. Absolutely. And, that, and that's that's a real thrill. And I know that certainly for people like you and I who set up our own businesses, that's a big thrill. And it's also a challenge and it can be the fear and all those things. But it's equally the excitement of saying, I can do this. Believing in yourself. Yes, there's uncertainty, but it doesn't have to cripple me. It, and it can, in fact, you know, uh, motivate me to do something, whether at this point it might be different or or whatever it is that we're looking to do. So use it as a motivation rather than a negative. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, kind of talking about, you know, write down, okay, what is it that's worrying you? A, right, okay, so what's the plan for A? And, and like you were just talking about, I think once you've got that done, it allows you then freedom almost in your brain and, and allows you to kind of focus on what really matters. Not that I'm saying that your your worries and your fears, they they don't matter, but sometimes we can get so wrapped up in all the negativity and the worry and the fear and the uncertainty that you forget to focus on what you have and, and what's matter, important in that time. So like, for example, like yourself, you're focusing on, running around the garden with your son and, and, and just now that's absolutely what matters Def, definitely I, I you know uh, I have never played Fireman Sam so many times I have never played <laughs> officer so many times uh, and, and, I've, and I don't think I've spent so much time in my back garden and any time I've come off a call mm-hmm. or anything like that my boy's at the door saying dad can we go out now and mm-hmm. that's beautiful uh, and you know, and it's about embracing that uh, and realising that actually see a three-year-old going out and playing firemen and going out and playing police officers and handcuffing your dad is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's me who's a 50-year-old has the problem by thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going back out to do this again. Um, <laughs> but I'm not, the, I'm not, I'm the one in the wrong here. You know, it's about appreciating that actually this is an amazing time. It doesn't have to be full of negativity. And mm-hmm. you said right at the beginning, acceptance is a wonderful thing. And I always talk about that when, you know, when I struggle with my, my, my mental health, my breakdown and my diagnosis of having complex PTSD. Uh, once I accepted the situation, once I accepted and embraced my illness, the world became an amazing place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have the fear, I didn't have anything, all the judgment stuff that was going on in me. If I can embrace it, great. I shouldn't care what anyone else thinks about it. And and I think that's the, for me, that's the template for, for, for sitting in my life now going forward. I embrace this situation. I'm not too worried about the outcome on the other side of it. I believe that things will still happen. I'll still have a business. I'll still be able to push forward. But whatever it will be, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and me worrying about it just now, what, what might happen in July, August, or September, is completely pointless. Mm-hmm. And as that level of, 
freedom within your brain. I, I know you'd mentioned before about, was it Nelson Mandela had said, yeah, you, know, yeah. you might imprison my body, but you'll never imprison my brain. Was that was that right? Ah, you said, you kind of, that's exactly what it is, but you say that in the phrase of Braveheart there almost, you can take <laughs> my, whatever, you can take my country, whatever you said. But I love that, and it's exactly the same thing. I think what he was saying is, look, you know, you can incarcerate me for 27 years in a physical sense, but actually my mind was free to, my mind was free, um, you know, and, and he said that's what kept him going. And and I kind of, I know that I've touched on this, that having having a mental health breakdown is a form of lockdown because you're locked within your, your mind and your thoughts and so on. Um, and actually this physical um, part of it, uh, actually physical lockdown is far easier to adapt to because you've been through something, you know, that's a mental breakdown, mm -hmm. a mental lockdown. So, um, but I've said that before, that if you have coping strategies, it's easy enough to uh, keep using those coping strategies when something like this happens. It's more dangerous for people who haven't had the opportunity to develop and create coping strategies for something quite like this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's remembering that help is there. Um, the more you start to worry about something and the uncertainty, the more impact that that's going to have on you in a negative way. You'll start to be stressed. Um, and you, you might then start making negative decisions about what's going on in your life. And that's never a good thing to do. Um, and it only in my experience for me, it uh, leads to negative outcomes and mm -hmm. uh, certainly don't want that for people just now, you know. No, absolutely not. And I, th I think the other thing that's important just now is being kind to yourself and allowing yourself to, like, kind of sense of self-care almost, whether that be through mindfulness, yoga, cooking, having a duvet where you don't get your jammies all day. Like, mm. it's important yeah. that, that we look after ourselves physically and and mentally so much just now um i've actually started doing i don't know if you're if you're into the old yoga michael or not <laughs> um, I've never I, i've never tried it i i've heard so many things so many positive things about it um but i i haven't uh, i haven't ever tried it um yet well i don't particularly enjoy it um however I've heard it's very good for you. So mm -hmm. I've started the 30 days of yoga with Adrienne on YouTube. So every morning now, the first thing I do after I make my bed, of course, um, is it's just half an hour or something. Um, uh. But what I have kind of found over the last few days is not so much the stretching and things like that, but the breathing, it really mm -hmm. forces you to kind of relax. And doing yeah. it first thing in the morning has been great for like, kind of right okay let's you're you feel absolutely ready to seize the day after it yeah um, I, but it's just all part of that self-care um I, and and being kind to yeah, your I, and your body absolutely i relate to that i i try and go into my garage and do a wee bit of weights most mornings of the the week if i can um indeed i tried to do it this morning and fit it in before a 9 a.m uh, Zoom meeting and it didn't really go well. I had to chuck it kind of halfway through, which is worse sometimes than doing nothing. But I tell myself that it's better than doing nothing. But but for me, that really sets me up for the day because as a result of doing that, I then think, okay, I'm going to have a reasonably healthy lunch uh, because, you know, I want to... And actually, I've, what I've started is to try and reduce my meat intake and get protein from, um, you know, non-meat content and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that gives me an interest because I've started to cook along those lines as well but I actually regulates what I want for my lunch what I want for my dinner and then at night I think right okay 
I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a wee bit of chocolate and I'm okay with that. Um, so for me, doing the exercise almost like regulates me for the rest of the day, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I know sometimes it's difficult to kind of force yourself up and especially when, like, just I'm sure I'll grow to like yoga, but just now I just don't like it at all. But I'm forcing myself. Um, and I remember years ago, do you remember, now what was his name? He was a rower. I want to say Ben Hunt or Ben Davis Hunt. Oh, right, I remember. I, I've got a picture in my head of who you're talking about, yeah. So I went and watched, um, he came and did a talk um, up at Glasgow Royal Concert Hall, I think it was, and then I subsequently then read the book because his story was so, so good. Um, and it's called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? Uh-huh. So it was about, I think he competed in a couple of Olympics, hadn't done particularly well, but as a nation, like the UK are kind of, well known for being good at rowing and, and yeah, I, think yeah, yeah. I felt like he was letting the side down so he thought right I need to get a medal mm-hmm. so everything he did was for for the whole four years of training up to this particular Olympics was if I do this will it make my boat go faster so obviously your boat can mm-hmm. be can be anything um so if the answer was no he didn't do it yeah, um, like talked a lot about training and again you can kind of apply this to any anything that you're doing in your life but he had a 10 minute rule and it's something that I always try to follow so it's like you're forcing yourself out of bed to do something that you really don't want to do but you know it's going to make your boat go faster right okay just do it for 10 minutes and if after 10 minutes you still don't want to do it that's when it's okay to stop but at Mm. least you've got out of bed you've tried it you've given it 10 minutes and actually what the thing was is that after the 10 minutes, generally your brain and your body will be okay to keep going with it. Absolutely. What, just what a great metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I would so, so highly recommend the book. It's really good. I'm not much of a reader, but um, the story is is really good. And, it, and it's just that kind of philosophy of, right, okay, if I make this decision to do this, is this going to help in the long run for X mm. goal, wh- yeah. whatever it may be? Um, and it, it was a really nice story. Yeah, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for that. I, I really like that, and I like it as a metaphor for everything. And I, I have a, I split my gym into uh, my gym. I, I have a garage. I don't have a gym <laughs> with the weights bench in it. Um, I've said that a couple of times. I'm going into the gym, and it makes people think, "Oh my goodness, he must have a gym in <laughs> at the gym wing at the gym in his west wing of his house." <laughs> I have a freezing cold garage with a weights bench in it. But um, and I split. I I just really do compounds. So. Uh, I do I split it so that on one day I do um, squats and I do bench press and the next day it might be lunges and military press and the next day it'll be deadlifts and something else right so it's really just the main compounds but every day it comes to squat day I dread it right because (laughs) I hate doing squats because they're really they're really hard to do yeah particularly when you're 50 years old so I was getting up to Yesterday I was up to like, and what I try and do is ten sets of ten, right? Which is really oh, that's a lot of reps. I know. Uh, I will say again, as a fifty-year-old, it's a lot to do, but it's called like the German volume technique or something like that. I read it somewhere right. and thought I'll give that a go, and I started off at a relatively lower weight, but yesterday I was up to something like eighty-two point five kilograms, and that's roughly my my weight, I think. And um, so I was dreading it a couple of days before it, and I'd noticed that last week when I was doing it at eighty kilograms. My form was terrible, and I was—I knew that I was punishing my back, and I wasn't doing it properly. I wasn't squatting as low down as I was because I was scared of the weight hurting me. 
mm-hmm. which was making my form worse and worse, and it was having a, a negative impact on my brain. So what I did yesterday morning, I thought, so what I'm really doing is I'm scared of what I'm trying to do. I'm scared of the outcome, and it's now a psychological problem for me. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing that I can do here? So I reduced it by 10 kilograms, and it's just a metaphor for everything else. I took a step back and thought, how can I overcome the fear of this, but actually make it better for myself as well? And mm-hmm. I reduced it from 82 or whatever down to 70. And I'd done 10 sets of 10 and predominantly really good squats where my backside was almost on the ground sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I really felt the benefit of it in a positive mindset of actually I've taken a step back to go forward. Um, and I really feel a lot better from it. Now I didn't, now I don't have the fear. I'm happy that my form is better. And now the next time I go to do it, I won't have that fear again. So sometimes yep. just the, you know, what you say, will it make my boat go better? Sometimes it's recognising as well that actually taking a wee step back and actually taking a regressive step, you know, like lowering your weights or whatever it is in life, it's the same thing, actually will be better for you because you can correct perhaps the thing that's going mm-hmm. wrong for you. And it's accepting that it won't always go to plan, but that's okay. So Absolutely. you might just take a wee detour off, off like whatever your training programme is, just a wee detour and then back onto it. Um, and that's all you need sometimes. But... It was Who was it that said, uh, we've said it now a couple of times, but someone said it to us about the 1% improvement. Yes, uh-huh. Um, that if you just make one percent improvement every week or whatever over the course of a year that's 37 percent roughly yeah over the year over the year how much you know all of us would like whatever it is we're trying to do would love a 37 percent improvement in performance whether that be anything in life you would think if i start now in the 12 months time i'll be you know 37 percent better at what it is i'm trying to do i think we would all buy into that Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can't believe you're doing sets, sets of ten. I ask a weightlifter to do any more than five reps, and and they're, they're out of breath just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a I'm a wee bit like my own worst enemy sometimes, and not in the self sabotaging way. When I was um, going through uh, my breakdown, it's just that I want to improve every time I do something. Um, yeah. So I lift it. You know, I try and go up in two point five kilogram uh, increments. So you know, I went. 70 kilograms. Next time I do 10 sets of 10, I'll do it at 72.5. But actually, one of the things that I really learned was, um, and it worked better in the gym, I have to say, is that I've got this saying, and it's a chapter in my book coming up, but um, it's really called FU Brain. And you can fill in what the F stands for. I wouldn't want to say it on this, but it's <laughs> FU Brain. And actually, it really works because seeing you're about to do something and your brain's telling you you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. And I'd done it in the gym. I just looked at myself in the mirror when I was about to lift something and I said, F you brain, I, mm-hmm. I can do this. And I did. I'd done it. And I see when I've completed it, you know, it's kind of like almost that epiphany moment of, you know, you're running about saying you're beauty, you know, and hoping that maybe nobody's looking at you, but in your mind you're celebrating because you can achieve you know, it's that negative thought. If you can see your brain, I don't believe you. I can achieve this. You're giving me a negative thought and I don't need to believe it. Um, and it's so empowering when you actually fulfill what it is you tell yourself that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I find as well having that structure of, like, so I started a new squatting programme yesterday, coincidentally, but having that and? structure and plan of, it's about controlling what you can control, but when it's written, and then again, when it's written down and I go, yeah. right, I know exactly what days I'm, and use squats as a training as an a, a example, but um, I know 
this is the sets and reps I'm doing on this date and I know this is the sets and reps I'm doing on this date and that's all things that you can control yeah. and when you then get into the gym or the garden or whatever to do that it's you, you can de- like detour from the plan but it, it's you're far more prepared than if you just walk into well, the gym just with, what I was with about no plan say. yeah that's just what I was about to say there because see when you do it like that and you've got your day for that just a wee bit of going to do then leading up to it you prepare properly because you know that, you know, tomorrow is that the thing that I'm going to do. So today mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that perhaps eat properly or you get a good sleep or you make sure that when you actually come to do that thing, you're prepared. That's the whole saying of you fail to prepare, um, you prepare to fail. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know we're using the, the weights as, and squats as a metaphor, but, you know, if you know that you're, that's what you're planning to do, you know, you know as well as I do that if you were to eat, a fish supper the night before or have, a, mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. a few bottles of wine, you know that your performance the next day is going to be terrible and it's exactly the same in life, you know? I, absolutely, because I, I know looking forward into this programme that next Saturday I have to do, you're going to laugh here, six sets of five oh, yeah. front squat, which for me is like, but it's at a particular way and I know that's going to be like one of the tougher sessions of the, of the programme. So yeah. I already know what time I'm training at because I know what time my body trains better because I'm not as young as I used to be and my joints don't move as well as they used to be I know what I'm going to have for dinner the night before I know what I'm going to wear because I've got leggings that I prefer to wear for certain like training sessions um and 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 that's like it's it's just a squatting program but for me if I follow my life to that kind of structure and then again, going back to control, I feel so much more in control about everything that I can control. De- definitely, and the, as I said, the negative part of that would be if you thought I'm doing that next Saturday and done nothing to prepare for it and done nothing yeah. about it. Yeah. Because between now and next Saturday, you would be continually worrying about it. Mm-hmm. What you mm-hmm. wouldn't have is actually what the plan is. Now, if you have the thought because you know that it's a thing for you next Saturday and so on. When you have that worrisome thought or negative thought, immediately after you'll be, but I've got a plan for it. I know what I'm doing between now and then. I know what I'm, do- I'm having the night before. Everything's all laid out. And then on the day or whatever it is you're trying to overcome, you- you're absolutely prepared for it because mm-hmm. your mind is thinking, I've prepared properly for this. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. See, I was telling you about how I've got absolutely everything in my diary, but I just always forget to check my diary. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of have, prepared and ready but if yes. you don't actually use things to like but you know you've got an umbrella what's yeah. the point in the umbrella you know <laughs> like you'll say to me right next Wednesday two o'clock and I'll put it in my diary and then I never ever check my diary but it's in there <laughs> it's like what is the I know, point but really what you then do is you have a thought that goes I know I'm doing the podcast or oh, when's the podcast it's Wednesday at two okay, I'm, I'm prepared for it or I'm ready for it. And and I think life is a, you know, all of these things we're talking about are a metaphor, absolute metaphor for life. And, you know, okay, we're talking about uncertainty and all of these things just now. But prepare and planning properly for what you can control and what you know is ahead of you is absolutely the key. Mm-hmm. Don't plan for the things that you absolutely don't, uh, you're not aware of because it's a waste of time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, planning for eventualities that your mind's telling you are going to be failure and say, oh, this will never work, or giving you scenarios, is absolutely folly. You you know, if we can have some structure in our life that, as you said, training programme or whatever it is that you're working on, that's going to be that day, it's going to be that day, 
I am prepared for it and I'll work mm -hmm. towards my preparation and, and then the outcome more than likely will be successful because your mindset as you're going into it is I'm prepared for this. I've, I have prepared properly for it and I haven't wasted my time thinking, oh, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. You've put everything in place to give you the best possible outcome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think as well, what we just kept, I think we've mentioned it a few times over the last few weeks is this isn't forever, so we will come out the other end at some point. To what? We don't know, but I suppose at the, at the end of the day, we just have to wait and see. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that and for all the listeners, we generally, they, they won't know this, but we generally have a conversation on what are we going to call this episode once we've done it when, when whoever it's been recorded. But I think we need to call it the title of that book. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Will it work for my? Will it make my oh, book go faster? Uh, will it make the boat go faster? <laughs> I think that's a cracking title. It's it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, as long as we don't infringe any copyrights or any publications for the guy. But I think we should call this "Will is it, it make the boat go faster?" Because I think that's a fantastic metaphor. Yeah, for everyone um, who's listening to actually adopt that. Okay, you may be uncertain about things, but actually, you know, try it for ten minutes, and if you ask yourself, "Will this make my boat go faster?" in the terms of what it is that's happening in your life, yes or no. If it's no, don't worry about it. If it will mm -hmm. make your life better, do it. If it's going to make your life more negative, don't bother. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and we have more guests lined up for the next few weeks as well, don't we? Yes, we've got some fantastic guests lined up. We've got a, a, a girl joining us over the next couple of weeks, Um who actually at this moment in time uh, is training to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, and um, is at this moment in time dealing with a lot of people who are struggling with their mental health during the lockdown. So uh, Emma is going to come uh, and join us over the next couple of weeks and actually just talk about some experiences, not naming anyone, of course, who definitely wouldn't want that, but actually you know, talk to us about what people are struggling with, mm -hmm. the advice that she can give people. Uh, and it's I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because it's real life stuff, you know? I know, I know. And and again, to, to all the listeners, if, if there's anything that you kind of want us to be talking about or any kind of experts or, or anything like that that you'd like us to bring on, by all means, get in touch. Um, because, I mean, sometimes for us, well, I mean, today we were just like, do you want to just have a chat? <laughs> it's not okay. prepared or anything like that. But if there is something that you, that you kind of want us to focus on, by all means, let us know. We're more than happy to do so. Absolutely. Um, anybody's got anything, um, we'd be delighted to, to hear. If anyone wants to come on and join us, they've got any particular issues that they would like to share, or oh, certainly not issues, but any advice and so on that they'd like to share, then absolutely. Um, as I said, we, we're not here to say we know everything. We're here to learn as much as everyone else. Sure. Sure. Brilliant. Cool. Well, until next week. Thanks very much, everyone.